All right, all right, all right. You all know what it is. It's another episode of the Sheepdogs Podcast here today. How are we doing, everyone? How are we doing? Doing well. Good. Doing well. I'm doing good. Good. Father Jacob, I uh, saw you just got some new drywall at the Newman Center Chapel. Is this true? Oh, man. Yeah. St. Joseph getting the work done over uh, J-term. So we're excited for that. Uh, new drywall in and painted. And yeah, always, always trying to improve, always moving forward. So thanks oh. God. yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Any listeners of Sheepdogs podcast, if you haven't been back to the Newman Center in Miami, you got to stop by, see St. Joseph's Chapel. It's mm-hmm. really coming together. So um, I love it. I love it. Well, today, today we're going to be talking about a lady very dear to Father Jacob's heart and mm-hmm. the heart of Catholicism, I think. Our Lady of Guadalupe, and because Father Jacob actually just recently came back from a trip there, is that right? That's right. Yeah, down the Mexico City where Our Lady appeared. Yeah, it was awesome. It's awesome. So I was just down there like four days, which traveled really like two days. But uh, nice. yeah, huge blessing, huge blessing. Nice. Well, we're excited to get into that and that story and hear more about what the message Our Lady of Guadalupe had for humanity and specifically the hispanic people so um but before we get started father could you start us in a prayer yeah definitely thanks in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen heavenly father we give you thanks and praise for this day we ask your blessing upon ourselves and all those listening to this podcast and may we know uh, the presence of the holy spirit in the midst of our conversation today and share uh, your living word and we ask all this in jesus holy name Amen. 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 Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You uh you you were doing some some reading up on Our Lady of Guadalupe, is that right? Yeah, just a little bit. Um, and hopefully, I'll be able to just kind of give a little bit of background. And I know Father has a lot more insights onto you know I guess like the big story and message behind it. All right, to give a little bit of history on the, um Our Lady of Guadalupe. First, it's set in 1531. So if you think about it, America was the Americas were discovered in 1492. So 1531 is is very a long time ago and also not too far after when the americas were discovered so um this is a long time ago and we're set in mexico um and i guess like the protagonist of the story um in one way is a man named juan diego who was a peasant and he was also like an indigenous person um and uh the first the first thing that kind of happened is juan diego was walking and he saw a glowing figure on a hill and um after investigating, he identified her as um, Our Lady, and um, Our Lady asked Juan to build a shrine in the same spot that they were at on this hill in order to show show her love and compassion. And then afterward, Juan Diego visited um, the Archbishop uh, who, of what is now Mexico City, and um, the Archbishop dismissed him and was in disbelief, and he asked he asked him to provide proof of this apparition in any way that he could. Juan Diego didn't know how to do this, but he returned back to the same hill. And after that, he 
encountered our lady again and she told him to climb to the top of the hill and pick some flowers now it was winter time and these flowers you know shouldn't be in bloom um, but juan diego found these flowers in abundance on the top of the hill and the virgin uh, the virgin gave him the flowers and bundled them into his cloak which is now called the tilma and when juan diego went back to the archbishop in order to, you know, show him the flowers, which were supposed to be, you know, the miracle of all oh, these flowers were supposed to be in bloom. He opened his, he opened his tilma and on the tilma was a great picture, which is, which is now presented in, in Mexico city of um, a great image of the Virgin implanted on his tilma. So this is a, uh, I guess this is a very crazy to think about. And I know I'm a little bit all over the place, but uh, father, do you have anything to add to that story? Or wow! Yeah, I, so I got thank the you so much, Michael. That was good. That was good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, wow. So Our Lady Guadalupe is so powerful. So yeah, like you were saying, she appears and um, yeah, gives a sign to the bishop to build this basilica, which is so beautiful. I guess maybe just a little background. So Juan Diego, of course, he was one of the only indigenous or one of the first indigenous peoples, one of the first of the Aztecs to become a Christian. Because at this time, 1531, the Franciscan priests were there trying to, you know, share the faith. Uh, but most of the Aztecs uh, were not converting. There weren't many converting at that time. Um, but Juan Diego was one of the few. And so then, of course, Our Lady appears and works this miraculous, uh, works this miracle, of course, of, of course, appearing to him three times. And she also healed his uncle who was sick and, um, yeah, says these comforting words to Juan Diego. But uh, she also, yeah, then gives this amazing image on his tilma, which was, yeah, as you said, like his cloak. Um, and so it's miraculously upon this image, which is, yeah, still there today in Mexico City in the Basilica there. And the image really meant so much for the indigenous peoples because Our Lady of Guadalupe, she, Our Lady, of course, the Blessed Virgin Mary, is dressed as uh, an Aztec princess. You know, she looks like an Aztec princess. She's dressed... Uh, in this, uh, in the garb that uh, an Aztec princess would be wearing. And there is so much symbolism in this image, which I don't even know at all. There's every time I hear more about it or study, there's always more there. Uh, but of course, one of the things is that she is pregnant. And they know that because she has a brown belt tied about her waist, showing that she's pregnant. She also has her head bowed in a particular way and her hands folded. And uh, there's yeah many symbols behind this. One of the Two of the most powerful images I think are is that the fact that she's blocking out the sun. So you see these rays, if you've ever seen the image, these rays that come from behind Our Lady. And it's showing that she's more powerful than the Aztec god of the sun. And also then she's standing over the crescent moon, the dark crescent moon, which was the Aztec god of the moon. And this was a very powerful image uh, because just a few years before this was when they were having tons of human sacrifice. Uh, the Aztecs, of course, from what I understand, they didn't really want to have human sacrifice, but because of their religion, they believe that if they didn't sacrifice many of their children or others, people that they captured, that the world would end. So they thought that there had to be this great uh, blood debt that had to be paid. And so they lived in fear. And I think that's why many Christians did not be, or many Aztecs did not become Christian in the early days. They were afraid and they didn't really understand. But through this image, through the love of this woman, pointing the way to God, the true God, uh, who is a God of life, 
Uh, so many of them actually did convert, even just upon hearing the story now and seeing this image of Our Lady who was their mother. And she said those words to Juan Diego, which is so beautiful. She said, am I not your mother? Am I not here? Who is your mother? Are you not under my protection? Am I not your health? Are you not happily within my fold, right? The fold of her of her, of her own cloak. And she's just reassuring uh, St. Juan Diego, but also all of her people. And pointing them, of course, to the true God. And so within like eight to 10 years, then eight million Mexicans became Catholic. And that's why Mexico is so Catholic today, 500 years later. And of course, just so powerful, too, because Our Lady now, who is mother of the Americas, uh, under the patronage of Our Lady of Guadalupe in so many ways, a great, this great symbol, of course, for pro-life, so many other things. Um, but of course, what, yeah, what man cannot do, God can do. And of course, he wants to use Our Lady in such a powerful way. And uh, there's so many miraculous things, even with this image, too, which is amazing. So they've done x-rays of the image, and the colors actually hover above the tilma. <laughs> it's not like it's painted on there or anything like that. Also, another cool thing is when they zoom in on the pupils of the eyes of Our Lady, uh, one of the eyes, at least, there's an image of what Our Lady, from her vision or from Juan Diego's vision, what they would have seen. So there's an image of uh, the bishop there and i guess his assistant or whoever priest was there when the tomb was unfurled and just so many other uh, little miraculous things and especially so many symbols within that for the aztec people um and just helping them to see the truth of god and the god is a loving god not one demanding uh for them to do human sacrifice and uh to a mother too and i think i heard recently even too surprised me because i'd never heard it before but of course, even Our Lady, you can kind of see that her, one of her knees is bent and the way she has her head tilted and her hands folded that she would have even been maybe dancing how the Aztecs did, I guess, um, and kind of showing that she's worshiping uh, the true God. And so she, she's not God herself, but uh, the God bearer. So, yeah, such a, a powerful image and really a protectress for all of us and uh, just a great witness in uh, in America, of course, Central America and Mexico. Um, and yeah, how it really brought about Catholicism for all of Mexico. And of course, it's a huge cultural thing. And then, of course, later on, not too much longer after this, we have St. Junipero Serra going, of course, from Spain, Mexico City, and then building all the missions going up in California and bring just that Catholicism to the indigenous peoples there um, in just a powerful way. But uh, yeah, Our Lady Guadalupe is just such uh, an amazing uh, protectress of the unborn and uh, for all of us is a, a great mother. Um, she's often seen as the uh, great patroness for the pro-life movement here in the United States. Um, recently, recently, I also then yeah got to go down to Mexico, which was a huge blessing. I went down there with my parents. And so there's been multiple basilicas built over the years. Father, before you uh, go yeah. into that, I wanted to break it up. One of the things that I heard was, uh, I don't know if you've heard this, but Juan Diego, actually one of the three times... Our Lady appeared to him. He was trying to avoid her. Like mm. he went, he went to it. Like he basically went around hoping that he would avoid her that day. And then <laughs> Our Lady appeared on a different hill. And, uh, but, but I think this part of the story was so crucial for the conversion of a lot of the Aztecs because the way they view God, if, if someone tried to avoid God and then the God appeared to them, they would have like smited mm. them or done something like terrible. But instead, Our Lady Guadalupe was just like you said, who am I? That's not your mother. Like 
like if a mother if a kid was trying to avoid their mom and their mom caught them doing that like they still love them they don't want them to sacrifice children or anything uh so and and that was actually a huge part of their um conversion and changing their view of god so i thought that was really cool and i didn't know if you you heard that or if you um knew that juan diego avoided certain the certain hill at a certain day right yeah so relatable he's so so relatable in that and i don't know if i knew that insight about yeah how the aztecs that's such a great insight how they would have seen our lady in that moment yeah so basically she appeared three days in the row and that third day his uncle was deathly ill he was about to die and so juan diego was going to try and walk he would walk to mass every day but he was going to walk to see the priest and so I think it was the same mount. But anyways, he goes around the other side. Yeah, he tries to avoid Our Lady. He's like, I don't have time if this woman interrupts me again. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, she appears to him. And then she says those words that I said earlier, you know, just about like, am I not your mother? And she, I think she told him that his uncle would be healed and not to worry. So then she gave him, yeah, the the mission to take the roses and that kind of thing. Uh, but that is so powerful, like you're saying, yeah, to, to realize uh, God's great care for us, and especially through our mother, Mother Mary in this. Um, but yeah, because what an image. And it's just so relatable to all of us, like Juan Diego at times, like, well, I don't have time for this, or it's never going to work out. We kind of doubt in some sense. Um, but yeah, how the Lord uh, just wants to take care of us in so many ways. We just have to have that faith. So yeah, it's amazing. It's awesome. Wow. Wow. So so you, you've been to Guadalupe. How many times have you been there? So I've been there uh, three times. Wow. Wow. And and you recently went uh, early in December of this year. Could you tell us a bit about that experience and, and what, what happened there? Sure. Yeah, it was quite a blessing. So my dad, this is kind of funny, my dad promised Roe versus Wade was overturned. He wanted to do a pilgrimage to Mexico City to visit Our Lady and uh, Thanksgiving. And of course, thanks be to God, Roe versus Wade was overturned this year. And uh, of course, we're still fighting the good fight against abortion. But uh, yeah, so he wanted to honor that. And so I said, OK, let's uh, let's go down there and make the trip. So I went with my parents. It was just going to be like really two days of prayer with two days of travel, just hanging out, nothing too big. Um, so we were down there and certainly a huge blessing. Uh, first time I was down, there's a priest. So I got to celebrate mass there in the, the newer basilica. And um, but we also got to go yeah, top to the top of Tepeyac, the old hill where our lady appeared and there's an older smaller church up there on top of the mountain or on top of the little hill really and one thing i didn't realize in the past is that kind of where the rectory would be right next to the church up there connected to the church there's this little area and it's actually a convent and there are some carmelite sisters up there and through a friend of a friend, this priest set up this time so we could go up and visit the, visit with one of the sisters. Of course, they're cloistered. So these sisters basically spend their lives up there praying. And that's pretty much it. They don't really go out into public. They're cloistered. And so we got to meet with this one sister. And she was, of course, there behind the grate, you know. Uh, so it's kind of cool to interact with her. But she just had so much wisdom. Uh, and... um. So we were speaking with her and we were talking about the rosary and other things. And she said, yeah, I just started a nine year novena. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, like we've done like nine day novenas, like a nine year novena. Wow, that's crazy, sister. And she said, yeah, because in nine years, 
So we were there. We weren't there on the Feast of Our Lady, which is December 12th. We were there that week. And so nine years from uh, that week will be 2031. So it'll be 500 years since Our Lady of Guadalupe appeared. So kind of approaching this time of 500th anniversary since Our Lady appeared. And of course, as I said earlier, you know, eight to 10 million Mexicans became Catholic shortly after Our Lady appeared. And so we know Our Lady wants to do great things. And uh, so the sister's just dedicating uh, nine years of prayer, intense prayer. And so she said, I'm going to be praying. My goal is to pray every 20 mysteries of the rosary each day for these nine years. And we were just kind of blown away, uh, my parents and I. Uh, but another thing that the sister said to us, which just really struck us, is she said, the salvation of many depends on the few. And so I was thinking of that the salvation of many depends on the few. And that just kind of struck us like, wow, especially me as a priest uh, and all of us as Christians, like, what does that mean? Like so many, like the salvation of other people of their lives relies on us, you know, have been given so much. So the idea that our prayers, our sacrifices, uh, the way we live our lives has an effect on other people getting to heaven, which is crazy. Uh, but it's a great reminder too, right? Of course, it's all through God's grace, right? It's all through God's grace, but how we respond to that uh, is just so powerful and really so important each and every day. And so between those two things, being inspired by sisters, uh, nine-year novena, and also hearing that, uh, my dad and I just decided to do like, okay, we got to like encourage people to pray the rosary. And of course, we'd be riding in the cabs so many times and people would have their rosary on their window there in Mexico City, which is awesome. And so we, I'd start talking about the rosary or whatever. What we're doing is we're starting this challenge for 2023, inviting everyone, just challenging everyone to pray, maybe not 20 mysteries, but like five, praying the five decades of the rosary. Uh, each and every day in 2023, because we realize like we pray the rosary, it's going to change the world. You know, it's going to change our lives, certainly. Uh, and we know that Our Lady, of course, she always wants us to like she appeared at Fatima, right? And asked us to pray the rosary there. And of course, you could probably remember uh, we did a podcast on the Battle of Lepanto. I remember that Michael explaining that it was great. Yeah, and uh, just the power of the rosary there, too. And so just this power in, yeah, meditating on the life of Christ, praying this gospel message. And just putting that time for the Lord, uh, because it's it's certainly a powerful time in our world or an important time to pray. And so I just challenge everyone out there today to yeah, join us in this uh, Rosary Challenge of 2023. To just pray the Rosary every single day. Maybe if you already do, maybe like add another decade or something. But uh, certainly what a great time just to, to realize yeah, the gravity of our own lives um, in this new year, 2023. And uh, just to, to ask Our Lady's intercession, because she certainly wants to help us too. She said to Juan Diego, am I not your mother? And uh, she wants to to work great things in our lives, too. So anyways, yeah, so I just put that challenge out there. I know last year, also around this time, we had Father Meyer on. I don't know if you remember that, Johnny. And uh, we had the push-up challenge, which is great. So we wrapped that up. And uh, yeah, but now I, this year, I'd love to do the rosary challenge. So it's going to encourage everyone to join up on that and invite other people, too. It's so powerful. I know always to pray together. I'm sure you guys uh, had some of that, like growing up, too, just praying the rosary with your family. Yeah, yeah, we did. I, I did at least. I don't know about you, Michael. I, I was yeah. So, in on December thirty first, twenty twenty three, are we gonna be doing three hundred sixty five rosaries? <laughs> is it add a rosary every day of the That's year, right. or what is this? Are we doing twenty decades a day? What does this rosary challenge look like, Father? Yeah, rosary challenge. Yeah, so just pray. I guess the main challenge would be pray the rosary every single day. So it'd be five decades of the rosary. Um, but then also realizing, yeah, life is, our culture is kind of getting crazier, uh, in the United States. So to double down, so maybe if you're already doing a rosary, maybe add another decade for 2023, but 
think for most people, it's just like committing to every single day, praying five decades of the rosary, praying a full set of the mysteries. And uh, yeah, maybe for some people it is adding more um, than that. But I think for a lot of us, it's just, yeah, really just committing to that. Yeah, just getting it, being able to have that discipline of doing it every single day too can be can be challenging. Um, but it's what starting a new year is all about: is that you get to you know set goals for yourself. And you know, I'm not I'm not usually the best with them, but uh, I'm looking forward to this one. Hopefully, I can get through all 365 days. <laughs> that that was one thing I was gonna ask is, uh, uh, Father, do you have any tips for anyone? Uh, maybe someone that has a very busy life. Uh, different lifestyles and because uh, I hate for us to be like those people that get the gym memberships January 1st and then but you know by January 7th they they're they're out of there again how can we implement this into our life the rosary and our daily regimen yeah great question I think we have to have a plan uh, so to think about your own life and how it's going to work often people say okay I'm just going to plan to pray rosary every day but to think about the practicals is very helpful so for some people, it'll be, yeah, maybe I could pray a rosary on the way to work, which would be great, you know, or on the way to school when I'm walking to class. I know some students have done that here this year, and that's been a great blessing while they're just walking to class here in Miami, which has been great. Um, but then you got to think about those days when you're going to, it's going to be the weekend or things going to be different. Like, how can I plan it in? Like, do I got to maybe pray it after mass on Sunday or, yeah, invite someone else to pray with me to get it done? Um, but I think one practical way or two practical things, maybe firstly, is sometimes we got to break it up a little bit, you know, especially if you're like a parent or yeah, a student at school, maybe you don't have time to, uh, or maybe yeah, you don't have the discipline to like put it all in one time. So, okay, maybe like pray a decade, you know, on my way to walk to class, a decade on the way back, way when I'm walking, a decade when I'm walking to school or uh, to the gym or, you know, to lunch. And just break it up that way. So you could do like, you know, five different decades throughout the day. It could be a great way to do it also. Or, you know, also for yeah, people who are out in the work world, yeah, our parents or whatever, maybe they got to get one before the kids wake up one decade and then like, yeah, have one decade when they're uh, whatever, around lunchtime or just squeezing it in. I think another great thing is that's been helpful for me is to have a deadline. So like usually when we don't, when we do fall through with things, it'll be like the end of the day, right? It's like, oh, I'm already up past my bedtime or whatever when I want to go to sleep. Am I going to stay up this extra half hour? And sometimes we do just have to power through, but um, to just have a plan, right? So what's been helpful for me is like, okay, can I get in my rosary like before noon? So like when noon comes around, I'm like, oh shoot, I really got to get this in because I know like doing it for the last thing of the day is not going to work out. So kind of just being conscious of that, like, okay, my goal is going to be have it done before noon or at least like a decade or two or before 6 p.m. or whatever it is, because that's very helpful instead of just like putting everything like, oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. And then it's like 11 o'clock. You're like, oh, well, I guess I got to either go to bed or, you know, put aside the homework. So I think this those kind of things could be helpful, either like spreading it out throughout the day, picking a specific time or yeah, having like a deadline, even in the midst of the day, not just the end can be very helpful. That's really good. I know on uh, Saturday mornings, I try to go to this pro-life mass and then afterwards they do a 15 decade rosary, but I get it all done before 10 AM. And then when I'm going to sleep at like 11 PM, I'm like, Oh no, I didn't put my rosary today. And they're like, Oh wait, I did like the night <laughs> in the morning. So I'm like, that's secured. But Getting it done first thing in the morning, I mean, that's 
that's ideal if 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 you can uh i know that's i'm not the best at that but michael you have any advice when you get when you get a regimen Yeah, I'm I'm classic for waiting until right before bed, and then I might only get four or five decades in before I fall asleep. So I have to uh, definitely be more disciplined about doing it in the morning. And you know, I I think I have to go back and listen to Father My the podcast we did with Father Meyer about changing your habits, and then that changes your life. So I definitely need to make a habit of just getting up early, even if I get up fifteen minutes early every day, uh, which is not. You know, that's not difficult at all. And just being have that discipline to do it. The first thing um, when I wake up rather than when I've already had an exhausting day. Yeah, just having that discipline to get up in the morning and, and to kind of like accomplish. And that's like a task you get to accomplish right right in the morning um, and treat it as like a job. Even if you fail once or twice to forget about it, you, you can always get back back on the horse and be able to accomplish it. Just make up, maybe do two the next day if you missed one, because ultimately... Um, You're not doing, we're not doing this, I guess, for, for us, we're not doing it for, you know, our, it, it will be good for us, but we're not doing it for us. So remember that, you know, just because you miss a day, miss two days, um, you can always get back on the horse and, and finish up the year. Yeah, I think that's a great point too. Like thinking about the why, you know, why you want to pray the rosary today is always so powerful. And I know last year we we're talking about changing our habits, just thinking about, of course, You know, I guarantee it'll bring more peace and joy to your lives. Uh, last fall semester, we had the rosary challenge for like one month. And I said, you, you know, if you don't find more peace and joy in your life after praying the rosary every day for a month, I'll give you like $100 or $50 or something. And uh, I know we had a lot of students who began praying the rosary. And certainly, yeah, there is just this peace that we know that we could find that peace of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And uh, yeah, so just to know that too is so powerful. But also, Also, like, yeah, the fact of imagine like looking back at the end of this coming year, you know, when you think like, okay, well, I prayed all these rosaries for whatever this intention was, whatever the one is on your heart, you know, for, for ourselves, for our country. Um, yeah, just to, to bring about, to bring Christ into the world in a new way. So I think it is so powerful. So, so yeah. And I, I haven't been to Our Lady of Guadalupe, but I have been to Our Lady of Fatima. And I know Our Lady of Fatima asked the children to pray the rosary every day. So one thing is just your mother asked you to do it so <laughs> right yeah it's good too it's just good i know my family really did that growing up and i never i never really liked doing it as a kid just being honest uh it's mm -hmm. it's got it's got some monotony to it you got 50 hill marys and but over time you know it's it is good for that disciplined lifestyle and, and to to be able to meditate on the mysteries as well of christ's life so Father, did you did you grow in a love for the rosary? What that look like? Certainly, yeah. That's uh, I mean, similarly, you know, as a kid, if there's times when I wanted to pretend like I was asleep or avoid it, you know, my family <laughs> we pray the rosary every day. But I was just did we did a little video actually, my brother and I about the power of the rosary. Maybe you could see that it's going to be released soon. It'll probably be released certainly by the time this podcast is out. But uh, just the blessing of that, a big part of our vocations, I think, was just our family praying the rosary every day. Um, yeah. And so I think one beautiful thing about the rosary is you could just go to it whenever you don't know how to pray or what to say. It's just a great default. Uh, so especially if you're in difficult time or, um, yeah, just want to be praying, but you don't know what to say. It's a great thing to go to because it's already just set and it's simple. And I think as a man, I just love that. Um, just having that, that beautiful 
piece about like kind of the monotony of it, which is beautiful. But then also, yeah, helping us to, like you're saying, meditate on the life of Christ. And really the Annunciation is one of the most central parts of the gospel. You know, God becoming man, Mary giving the yes, and uh, Jesus coming to redeem us uh, through the Blessed Virgin Mary. So um, so just like it's like we're meditating on the gospels then, yeah, in the life of Christ, as you said. And certainly, um, yeah, as the Blessed Virgin Mary, you know, we hear in Scripture how she pondered the mysteries of the Lord in her heart, you know, when she didn't understand. So the same for us too, whether we're struggling with something, whether we praying for something for the future, or, you know, we need praying for our first job or for a summer internship or for a class we're struggling in or something we need help or relationship. It's such a good thing to just ponder God's mysteries and realize we don't always have the answers just as mother Mary St. Joseph didn't either, but to realize that God uh, wants us to know his presence, his love in that and to guide us through it and sort of walk with him in that. And uh, he'll certainly guide us. Uh, especially when we're listening to him, you know, and then we could follow him more easily or to know his grace and peace in that too, you know, that peace, which is beyond all understanding so that no matter what is going on, we can know uh, God's grace and certainly just have know his voice and then follow him. So I think the rosary helps us to learn to listen to God's voice, even though it might just feel like we're saying words at times to just know that, um, yeah, to learn to know God's presence and peace in a radical way. So it's certainly been a huge factor in my life like I said, in the good times, but also in the struggles, times when I don't really know what I want to say in prayer, just to, to revert to the rosary. So, yeah, great blessing. Also to pray with other people. You know, I know like at the Evans house, both Johnny and Michael, you guys were in the Evans house. And we'd go and pray the rosary at times. And that's just a huge blessing to be able to pray with other people, I think, too. Yeah, it is really cool. I, I think uh, the verse, go forth and make disciples of all nations. And we just... In our house alone, we had all these different kinds of Catholics, Polish Catholics, Irish Catholics, Hispanic Catholics, all uh, a lot of others, all praying the same rosary. And it was really a unifying force that could bring bring people from all all different backgrounds. So really, it really is a, an awesome, awesome tool we have as Catholics to pray. Mm hmm. It's such every every story of a Marian apparition is just so inspiring, especially not just because of um, what actually happens, but what what um, the result of it is. Like you're saying, eight million Catholics um, converted in Mexico um, or in Fatima with everybody seeing the apparition, having mass conversions in Portugal and Spain when, um, you know, Mary helps us do great things. The world becomes a better place. So. Yeah, I think that's a, a big takeaway from all Marian apparition. All right, okay. so we've had uh, you know a great conversation here today. Um, yeah, but Father, would you like to close us in a in a quick prayer? Sure. Yeah, thanks, Michael. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for uh, the gift of Our Lady, Our Lady Guadalupe, especially. Thank you for her and uh, that she is a true mother to us. May you know her protection and care. We ask her blessing upon uh, her, her intercession for all those uh, listening and all those at Miami University and college students across the country. We ask that uh, we continually be drawn close to you, Lord Jesus, through the intercession of Our Lady Guadalupe and St. Juan Diego. We commend everything to you, Lord, through her intercession. And we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
few dogs out. Dogs out. Dogs out.